Chapter Four of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Four, A Morning Circus. Outside the gaudily painted building of the animal world, everything was as quiet as it is alleged to be along the shores of the distant Potomac. The hot morning sun sparkled on the still shoot lake. Near the exit gates from the chute landing platform, a small seal was sunning himself on the worn boards. Now the seal rolled over and raised himself erect on his tiny flippers. He cocked his bullet-shaped head and listened like a knowing terrier. From across the chute lake a familiar, Ayoom! had sounded. But it was a friendly cry to the small seal's ears, and he commenced to flop eagerly towards the water. He slid in, and in no time an ever-widening angle of ripples on the still surface betrayed his progress across the lake. Arriving at the edge, the seal began to tread water, till Angelo, flat on his stomach, reached over the side and hauled him ashore. Then the boy threw a piece of fish, which was caught dexterously. "'Johnny, you hungry fish basket! I thought you'd be around here somewhere!' Angelo threw the pet seal another fishy tidbit. But Johnny did the unexpected thing for as the fish was in the air, the small seal turned, and in rapid flops headed for the chute lake. The next instant up came ferocity. His coal-black tail was swollen and waving. He continued right after the seal till he stood over the edge of the lake. "'You come back here! What do you mean chasing little Johnny? Manners! You haven't any more than Maggie in the jungle scene!' Angelo continued eloquently to point out the park tomcat's more personal feelings. With tail high and defiant, Ferocity finally and reluctantly obeyed Angelo's shrill commands to come here right away. When the tomcat had come close, he rubbed himself against the pipe-stem legs of his master. Angelo paid not the slightest attention. He called Johnny, but the small seal only swam more rapidly towards the distant side of the chute lake. The Coney Island boy started to run around the lake. When he came near Johnny, he invited, and this time the little seal swam close under him. Well, you are a good boy, and for that you may have this hunk. Angelo started to toss the bit of fish, but Ferocity leaped and neatly scooped the fish from his master's hand. Before Angelo could express his indignation properly, a white streak came across the bridge that spans the foot of the chutes and pilot. An alert terrier that belonged to one of the animal acts dashed after the big park cat. Burdened with a guilty conscience, the attack took Ferocity by complete surprise. But Tom sprang wildly forward, the white terrier at his heels. Ferocity headed up the landing stage and leaped for the animal world ticket box. Up the side of it the cat scrambled to rest, an angry weather vane in precarious safety on top the gilded dome. Unfortunately, in his untimely haste, the tomcat dropped the stolen bit of fish. Pilot pounced on it. Ferocity dropped to the glass counter of the empty ticket box and with an angry growl crouched. For an instant Angelo thought his cat was about to spring on the back of the eager terrier, but for once the tom had met his match, and he remained on the counter. Ha-ha! That's the time you missed out, you old ferocity! Good boy, pilot! Good boy! You deserve this nice hunk of fish! Here's another, and Angelo tossed his last bit of fish to the dog. This rank injustice on the part of his master was too much for the tom-cat. He leaped down, snatched the bit of fish from between the very paws of Pilot, and shot away in the direction of the Ballroom Beautiful. The maneuver had taken the terrier by surprise. 
With a yelp of pain, he started on high, and he and Angela raced after the fleeing tomcat. As ferocity reached the rail that separates the refreshment tables from the wax dance floor, the park cat sprang to a table, almost lost his balance, dug in, recovered himself, scrambled to the rail, and perched in safety ten feet up. The dog's momentum was too great, and though he applied all four air brakes and tried to dig his claws into the ground, he shot out onto the ice-like dance floor. Skidding halfway round and spreading his four paws sailor fashion, he taxied helplessly across the surface. Angelo fell across the table, helpless with laughter, as he saw the dog's predicament. Ayum, that's the time you skidded. I only wish it had been that lump of coal up there. He scouted ferocity, who, thoroughly angry at the indignity of being chased by a mere animal-world-trained dog, kept growling at the drifting pilot, the cat's tail in erect black brush. The terrier had come to a stop, almost halfway across the dance-hall floor. Now he slipped as he attempted to walk back to a surface that held. He floundered on the frictionless surface, and, scared at something he could not understand, began to whine. Angela went to his rescue, and, picking him up by the scruff of the neck, carried him beyond the rails. Very meekly the dog crouched at the boy's heel. Angela petted and soothed him. "'That's all right. I know you don't know how to dance. But the next time that stick of dynamite leads you into this building, you turn tail and head the other way. Do you hear, pilot, old boy?' Evidently the terrier did, for he had stopped trembling. Angela stooped to pet him again, and when he looked up, he saw Claude Hazard and the Lee triplets had been interested spectators of the dog's predicament. "'Hey, come here. Did you see what that ferocity did to this pup? He's a nice doggie and knows a lot of clever tricks, but leave it to that Tom up there to lead him into trouble. What's that?' The boys froze and listened. Angela solved the noise first. "'That's a real fight. It's the lions, I hope. Come on!' The order was unnecessary. Pilot and ferocity were forgotten. The five boys raced to the animal world. Roars were being broadcasted from that building. Once within the entrance, they saw animal men running with rods and pitchforks towards one of the cages. Within, two rearing, clawing, roaring, pink-mouthed lionesses were settling an argument. All too quickly, the two tawny Amazons were pried apart, and the partition that had fallen down was re-erected between them. Animal men held the angry lionesses apart. A new den on a wagon was hastily wheeled alongside the cage, and Miss Caesar, the aggressor, was prodded into the den. She roared her defiance at Grace as she was wheeled to another part of the menagerie. Oscar, the animal man, explained in answer to Angela's disappointing complaint. Why didn't you let me know there was a fight going on? Let you know. You're lucky that Miss Caesar didn't bust out, and then you'd have known, and so would the park. Ah, said Angela daily disgustedly. Those big cats are just noise. I'd back my ferocity for a quarter against any one of them. You should have seen the clever way he got even with that white terrier pilot they use in the dog and pony act here. Angela related with relish the recent exploit. Then his eye happened to catch sight of the lines of elephants swaying restlessly. He had seen the five smaller ones at the end of the line. How are the babies today? But before Oscar could reply, a real from the inner arena made the boys hasten their steps. Oscar volunteered the interesting information. There's something new. The Velikita woman who wrestles with tigers came yesterday. She is practicing her act that opens Sunday. It's worth seeing. 
The park boys hastened their steps. They passed by the animal world side of the lively jungle scene. Angela paid not the slightest attention to the frantic greetings he received from his charges, except to scowl darkly at Maggie, who with paws and legs spread wide, clung to the bars and chattered a greeting at him. Beyond was a large arena with its rows and rows of seats that circled the great steel cage in which the wild animal acts were shown to the public. A group of watching animal men were standing by the performing cage. Within, a frail-looking lady in a faded leather costume was surrounded by six striped tigers. At the moment, she had the six posing on their platforms, hooked to the steel sides of the cage. "'Come on! This looks good!' yelled Washington Lee. The Kilgloom Park boys took seats in the front row. The lady was calling, "'Sultan! Sultan!' A sleek beast leaped down and came towards the trainer. She dropped her whip and grasped the neck of the tiger. The next second the lady and the tiger were wrestling on the floor of the cage, while the five other beasts watched from their platforms. The boys stared open-mouthed. Then, as Valakita threw the tiger, Angelo exploded, Whoopee! That's a good act! But before I'd go into a cage and deliberately play that foolish way with a big cat, catch me! Why, why do you know what? I wouldn't fool that way with ferocity even in fun. I did once only, when he seemed a kind of blue, and I thought I would cheer him up a bit. No siree! Never again! The Lee triplets nodded their heads in perfect agreement. But it's a first-class act, Washington affirmed professionally. I remember Valakita when she was with the Ringling outfit several seasons ago. She's improved her act. You bet, agreed Roosevelt and Lincoln Lee. Angelo's attention was distracted from the sight of the lady who wrestled with tigers. A strange boy had come up timidly, and had eased himself into the third row of seats, behind the five park boys. Angelo daily turned toward the stranger. "'Say, kid, how did you get in here? The park won't be open to the public for more than two hours.' "'I'm not one of the public, young Daly. I'm watching Mother practicing her act.' The boy pointed to Velikita, who had risen and was stroking the furry head of Sultan. "'Oh, that's different,' Angelo cordially invited. "'Then you're going to be a park boy this summer. Come on down and meet these park chaps.' As Velikita's son slid down eagerly to the first seats, a grinning Roosevelt Lee extended a welcoming hand. "'I thought I'd seen you before. We—' He included his fellow triplets in the sweep of his hand. "'We were with the big show two seasons ago, when your ma did her stuff there.' "'What's your name?' demanded Angelo. "'Vernon She. She is our real name,' he added. "'Sure,' replied Angelo daily. "'I knew Velikita was only a show name.' All right, Vernon, come ahead. If you know the leaves, this other chap is Claude Hazard. Vernon shook hands and said, There's my father, that man with the prod. He's, he's like me. He doesn't like the cats at all. He's just like me, then, affirmed Angelo. I tolerate ferocity, but lions that fight and tigers that wrestle, they're not in my line and they are not going to be. Oscar, the elephant man, came up behind the boys. Say, Angelo, do you and these other punks want to come along? Where to? demanded the younger daily. I'm taking the little bulls for a stroll and a dip in the chute lake. It's that hot it will do them good. I sure do, Angelo jumped up. I I knew I had forgotten something mighty important watching the animals this morning. I haven't had a swim since last midnight in the pool. You want to come along, Vernon? I'll have to ask Mother. 
She is afraid of the water, but I can swim. Then ask her, but I wouldn't go too close to her wrestling babies. Vern and she ran around to the other side of the steel cage, and Angelo saw Velikita look towards him and then nod approval. Angelo exclaimed to Roosevelt Lee, Well, will you look at that? There is something I never thought I would live to see. What? asked the sideshow triplet. Over there in the steel cage. Will you look at that tiger lady talking to her son, and very likely warning him not to get drowned, etc., and all the while she is absentmindedly stroking the head of that big savage wild animal, Sultan? I'll bet she doesn't know she's doing it, too. Talk about flirting with death. As the boy finished, Vernon came back. Angela volunteered. Say, if you haven't a suit, I can get you the loan of one at the old swimming pool hole pole. It won't cost you anything, he concluded magnificently. Thanks, Vernon said, but I have one. It's on now. And he opened his khaki shirt and showed the blue tights within. Be prepared, hey? All right, Scout Vernon. Come on, fellows. Five minutes later, the six Kulun Park boys in various colored tights emerged noisily from the old swimming hole building. They raced across the deserted court of Kilgloom and back to the front of the Animal World concession, where the five baby elephants were already in evidence. Angela exclaimed loudly, Oscar, I ride roly-poly. I ride roly-poly. He's the most sensible of your one-ton infants. I wouldn't trust myself in my skin on Rosemary or at that wicked-eyed rug. The baby elephants knew why they were led out and were eager to get into the water of the lake. The animal man took charge. Here, Angelo, you and young Valakita get on board Roly-Poly. Claude rides Cupid. You triplets get on Belle, Rosemarie, and Rug. With the boys on top, the five bulls were anxious to be off. But Oscar made them get into line, each baby holding the ridiculous tail of the elephant in front. That way they keep out of mischief, explained Oscar. Last time I had them out, Rug and Cupid almost rolled in that peanut stand by the ballroom. So, making an impromptu circus parade along the vast side of the ballroom beautiful and into the deserted court of Kilgloom, the line wended its way. Angelo felt Vernon she holding on too tight for breathing purposes. He remonstrated, Roly-poly won't pitch you off. The time you want to hold tight is when you are on board that doby-looking old bureau they call T&T. You never know when that bird is going to make you do a sailor dive off his back onto the concrete. Only last Saturday morning, Chubby Kramer, he's that fat boy my brother G.T. chums around with. Chubby and I were seeing how long we could stay on. I stayed ten seconds once. But every time T&T &T let Chubby get on, it was only to pitch him off again. It was a good thing we were playing with T&T &T in the sandy beach before the pole building, Otherwise, Captain might have had to put in new cement walks. The chain of baby elephants had come across the court of Kilgloom and were abreast of the executive offices. Angelo yelled up, Ayum! Hey, handsome office boy! Hey, G.T., stick your ugly head out! Promptly the head and shoulders of George Tillyou Daly and his guest, Wish Craig, appeared at the window of the private office. G.T. roared back the tigerish greeting and then suggested to the elephant man, Hey, Oscar, why don't you let those bathing beauties race each other to the runway? Get a sweat up before they swim. Vernon Sheet shook his head and promptly slid down from his baby elephant's mount. I'll, I'll walk, please, Angelo. But I won't. Come on. That's a real sensible idea of G.T.'s. 
Oscar, line the triplets and Claude and me up, and start us off fair. The obliging animal man called out to the small elephants, and they dropped their grip on each other's tails and swung into a line. They seemed to sense the coming race, and were as eager as the park boys for it. Wish Crag and G.T. yelled encouraging and disparaging remarks impartially on all the contestants. When all were ready, Oscar yelled, Hi! Run! Hi! There! The baby elephants were moving at a smart pace for the runway alongside the towering diving ladder fifty yards ahead. The race was all roly polies, for that lively beast forged ahead, and under the spurs of Angelo's wild whoopies and ahooms, quickly opened up ten feet of daylight between himself and Washington Lee's mount, Rug. Claude Hazard slid off his rolling steed, and Lincoln Lee was just about to dismount involuntarily when Oscar caught him. But the five babies at the side of the sparkling waters of the chute lake kept right on. Angela tried to hold roly-poly, but he might as well have tried to stop the sun or halt the tide. The boys dived off into the water, and the baby elephants proceeded to submerge themselves. Where the water was too shoal, the small beasts lay on their sides, with just their heads and trunks visible. Then the boys rode them till Claude's elephant, for one, decided he had had enough rider. As Claude Hazard was urging him toward the foot of the chutes, that small elephant suddenly curled back his trunk and let Claude have a jet of water full in the face. Claude tumbled backwards, grabbed in vain for the tail, and next moment disappeared under the surface of the chute lake. Angela, from the back of Roly-Poly, shouted his glee at the sight of the discomfited Claude swimming desperately after his free elephant. Just then he was distracted by hearing G.T., Wish Craig, and Chubby Kramer yelling their Iroom from the fifteen-foot platform of the diving platform. Angelo turned in time to see his older brother and Wish take graceful swan dives out and down. Chubby's dive, he noted gleefully, was not so graceful. A charitable forty-eight on that, he marked, as the head of Chubby broke surface. Early pulley here could do a better one. You other one-ton truck. Chubby invited Angelo to come nearer, and he would mark him in another way. There was a disturbance alongside Roly-Poly, and Angelo looked down, saw the bullet head of the tame seal that was almost a dog. "'Hello, Johnny. Do you want to play?' Angelo asked. Roly-Poly now noticed the small seal swimming alongside, and then things happened. The small elephant filled his trunk and let Angelo daily have the blast. Overboard he went backwards, and only an expert swimmer like Johnny could have dodged out of the way of a collision. Before Angelo came sputtering to the surface, another weather spout struck him, and under he went again. The Lee triplets and Claude now felt the baby elephant's panic, and they, in their turn, were drenched from the vigorous full trunks. Oscar waded in, yelling sharp orders to Roly-Poly and the other frightened babies, and ordered the boys to swim away. Angelo, with thrashing arms, led his discomfited friends towards the diving hole, and it was five minutes before he stopped coughing, and G.T. and Wish and Chubby could understand what he was trying to say. The, the next time I take those fire hose elephants swimming, I'll, I'll... Here Chubby filled his mouth with water, but Angelo, divining his evil intentions, dug under the surface as neatly as Johnny could. A few seconds later, he caught Chubby's feet and pulled him under. 
Chubby Kramer was still trying to retaliate adequately when the bomb burst for the daily opening of Kilgloom Park, and it was all out, for it would never do to let the public see them swimming in the chute lake. End of chapter 4 Recording by Maria Therese